Thyself is dedicated to the exploration of the most rewarding task an individual can ever embark on, the journey to find oneself. Our intention is to investigate the universal principles that have equipped our species to seek the treasure of all treasures, self-knowledge. With your host, Daniel and Eduardo, this is the Know Thyself Podcast. All right, well then, um, welcome to the Nice Self Podcast. I'm here with Daniel. Hello. And I am Eduardo, and excited to continue this conversation, man. There's just so much to talk about, and I know that, you know, um, part two for Pinocchio has been, um, you know, quite a journey already just because of everything we covered in the beginning and everything that I still left to talk about has me going back over and over on some notes and some different um you know, pathways of information that I'm trying to sort of sew in together to this movie from the rendition of Del Toro, but also the the story itself. And so I'm actually really happy to sort of, um, you know, hear everything you have to say, because um, I think in the first part of this breakdown, we both knew exactly where we wanted to go with the overarching theme and the archetypal story, you know, um, that sort of shapes our, our morale or our understanding of, of such complex, um, uh, you know, journeys from within. And I think that there's so much more to unravel here um, with the continuation. So really excited, man. So I know that we left off for the listeners, uh, please go listen to part one so this all makes sense. But in this part two, um, I'll pick up where we left off, which I believe is Geppetto's son, biological son, that is Carlo, ends up going back into the church at the same time that one of the um, pilots above and during World War One, I, I think, drops or discards a bomb, which ends up hitting the church, but not destroying it completely, but unfortunately killing Carlo and letting the pine cone that he was holding, which made him go back into the church, survive. And I think we can just go from there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, like you said, we could talk about this story forever. It's got so many archetypal themes, just like our own story. Right. And I think what we, a good thing to investigate is we're kind of getting a precursor of a lesson that the universe is trying to teach Geppetto. Okay. And that lesson very much is, you know, the bond although he loses Carlo, he loses him in the physical connection. The universe is really trying to establish the idea that the bond between him and his son is eternal. Yeah. You know, the idea of the relationship of father and son, you know, romantic long-term partnership, brotherhood, sisterhood, these are eternal. They don't actually belong and stay in the five sense reality. Mm. The experiences of our heart are carried over. You know, like that. So we, when we kind of think about that process, you know, we always talk about like the game of Monopoly. Everything goes in back into the box besides the experiences of the heart. And that's carried on over with us. And so Geppetto, as he's going through this spiritual evolution, has to come face to face with that idea Mm -hmm. that, you know, it's not so much a goodbye, but until next time. Right. You know? And so. Well said, dude. We kind of think about this with, because we're all going to experience death. And in the moment, it is very tragic. 
doesn't make sense. And we actually can curse creation, like we're going to see Geppetto do. Right. But when we really understand the evolution of the soul, and this is why we put so much energy into these conversations that we all carry, we really start to see the bigger picture. And we really start to see that there are some things that we just can't truly understand. But as we go, and we can go through these painful processes, at the end of it, we find peace, right? It's kind of like that quote we brought up a couple episodes ago. So if we're feeling pain, it just means that the cycle and the lesson isn't complete. But at the completion of it, we're whole. And that's what we're going to kind of see Geppetto. And, you know, this is easier said than done. You know, we can talk about strength with death until it like calls the name of a loved one. But if we can approach it with the idea that you are not your body, you are your soul living through the body in this five sense reality. You know, we have this finiteness of ourselves. We can feel it. Our skin is thin. You know, there's things that want to eat us. There's bigger things than us. But that energy that beats your heart, that doesn't have a beginning or end. Right. And that's the journey of that we're all kind of looking to explore. And, you know, like personally, I have great connections with people. I, I, I honor our friendship more than anything. I have a great family. And, you know, I've got the coolest cat maybe in the universe. But there's going to be a time when one of us, it's going to be the end of us, right? right? And it could be him first, it could be me first. But where I find peace is with that whole conversation of like the evolution of the souls. And so, especially dogs, cats, animals of like high intelligence, they're climbing the ladder to make the the ability and the potential to be self-actualized humans, right? As you die, you always kind of transcend up and you evolve. And so when the day comes, and it will be very heavy, that I do have to say goodbye to Canoe. It's not a goodbye. It's, I'll see you again until next right. time, right? And so one of the connections that we've spoken about before, but it's always great to kind of go back to, is when something shared as deeply in the heart, you, you, you have an eternal tie. And so just like if I was a dog or an animal of somebody, they are my spirit guides, right? And so I know I'm going to be a guide to Canoe when he becomes a human or she becomes a human, you know, because it could have variations. And so I will be there when the first time Canoe falls in love. I'll be there the first time that he, you know, has loss and I'll whisper words of strength. And when we see this idea, we can really start to understand that this is, we're part of something bigger here. Correct. You know, and so it really kind of gives us this like solidification, you know, and it's the motivation for us to study this information. You know, I need to study, build my character, build my spiritual discernment. So when I do go to the dance with death and I, and I go and I, you know, pass that threshold, I don't get deceived by the false light right. and get sucked back into the matrix, right? I use my spiritual discernment and my inner light to truly connect to, you know, the ultimate creation, my connection to spirituality through death, 
and I can maintain consciousness through death, which is one of the big reasons why we study the esoteric and the occult. And I can transcend the archons, transcends the energy that tries to recycle cells back into the five sense reality. I will have that opportunity to be Canoe's spiritual guide, you know, and just like, you know, I lost, we all have loss. I had a very special friend and teacher named Drew. Drew, although he left me in physical form, has been with me forever. He was there when I opened Sacred Pie. You know, he was there when I meet the people that I fall in love with. And he's there when those cycles and patterns of love end. And when we really understand that the experiences of the heart are eternal, it's when we really can like solidify ourselves on this journey. And it's the ultimate test and it's the ultimate challenge, but it is what this is for, is to understand that life and death is the same coin. We just see the different side of it. Right. And there's truly nothing that dies. Energy cannot just, you know, it just takes a new form, but it can't be destroyed. And this lesson has to be kind of brought up to Geppetto. And when we think about the evolution of the soul, Carlo is a special boy. Like we see him through this. And, you know, the first thing he asks on the way to the city is, are we going to church? You know, like there's a love of God. There's a love of his connection with his father. There's curiosity. Sometimes when we have experiences as tragic as like losing a child, it's, we don't understand it, but that child might be done with its spiritual evolution. Correct. You know, it might have came in, you know, with such a deep knowledge of life that it didn't need 65 years. You know, um, even when, and Manly P. Hall actually wrote a really great essay on this once, like even like early infant death, it could be that that soul is just ready to transcend. It's ready to go to the astral realm. And so we always look at things as tragedy, but it's always like a maybe. And again, easier said than done. Totally. And we have to take seasons to mourn, but we can't be stuck in our mourning. You know, we can't be, you know, yeah, maybe I've lost relationships with people. We mourn it and then we have to move on. And that's how you actually honor that. And you kind of like maintain that connection. Absolutely. You know, it, it is, it is heavy, but it's, it's only as heavy as, you know, the way you decide to carry it up a steep, steep slope, you know, like in the sense that no one's forcing you to carry that on your back and walk it for years to come, which is what he does, unfortunately, in this case. But he does it with, you know, I know neither you and your I right now at this moment have had a child. And I know that for parents, if they watch this movie, for instance, there's a relatable component that's, you know, very intense. If they were to lose their own child that they can relate to with Geppetto on, it's not like you just said, easier said than done, but it also, you know, it creates a, a world of, of despair that doesn't let you evolve as a, as a person on this journey. And that's kind of what you're seeing there with, with Geppetto, because he does, he curses the creator, you know, why don't you answer my prayers? I think is what he shouts to the sky as he's mourning the loss of Carlo. And I think, I think if we go back to the scene after he has passed and years have gone by, he is drunk and he is still mourning, you know, the loss of his son, but he's there 
pretty much talking about how he dreamt of Carlo again. And he asks, why can't you be here with me again? And it's very heavy. Again, if we haven't had children, but I can only imagine, you know, and especially because a child and that wonderment of, of a child is so precious that we put a lot of weight into that where it's like you haven't lived yet. And there's so much to see and there's so much to learn. There's so much to understand. And yet your time here was cut short it can create something very dark within us very quickly because, you know, the whole idea of why them and not me, um, or, you know, I've definitely heard even, even my own mother. I mean, anytime I've ever mentioned wanting to buy a motorcycle, which one day I will, but she, she just hates the, the idea that she may have to go through a process that she doesn't want to go through Mm -hmm. where I leave this earth before her um, but, but without considering like how much of a joy I've had in life already, you mm-hmm. know, like I've said this before multiple times where, you know, if my time physically is over soon, I feel very fortunate. It's something as a mantra I say before I go to bed, it's a sort of a prayer that I say before bed, because to me at this point, I'm just fortunate to still be here, even with the misfortunes that happen in the five sense reality that we may, you know, occur over and over and over with whatever it might be that brings weight to your life physically, <clears throat> I still think, wow, my eyes were able to gaze upon another sunset, another sunrise. And that right there is just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And and having that understanding sometimes has made me, <laughs> it has made me fearful sometimes. And especially in like moments of like anything adventurous I've ever done, where there's this moment where the sky above and the ground below all become just one within you. And in this case, maybe in like in a climbing incident or uh, or adventure where you kind of have this moment, like, is this the part where I go? Because I'm having this moment where it's not, there's nothing that I can say in words that could explain the euphoria that is felt in that moment. But if I did, I would want those who love me to know, like this connection is that this massive wink from God where it's like, Hey, I think you get it right now. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I'm like, maybe I don't, no, I don't think I understand it. Like I'm, you know, uh, I can't wait to get back down the mountain, and, you know, crack open a beer with my friends and in hopes that I don't have to be pulled just yet, you know, but right. if I did, I wouldn't be mad and I wouldn't curse anything. But anyways, the, you're absolutely right with everything you said. I think it was very profound what you mentioned, because I think we said this in the first part in part one is that this journey with Geppetto is very particular. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying it's not in the first movie, you know, there is the idea of the father and we'll talk about that. But in this one, they really sort of want you to understand and and the loss of, of his son is exactly why, you know, this second chance at, at um, having a better connection with the new life form that will that will be eventually Pinocchio has its um, its place for Geppetto and his mm-hmm. understanding of your journey here is not done yet. You mm-hmm. know, there's something there's a few things you must understand before you go. Um so anyways, man, yeah, that's awesome. I love what you just said, dude. It's, um, you know, something that we, we have to reflect on, you know, as individuals on the spiritual journey. And, you know, when we're, we're even looking at that process of death, and I know, again, this is something that we, we spoke about before, but, you know, you want to live your life in a way that you're excited to meet death, to the idea of like, you want to tell him about everything you did. Right. Like, he's going to be so annoyed with me on the River of Sticks because I'm going to tell him about all the love I experienced, cool, all man. the great things. And he's going to be like, love that. oh my gosh, shut up. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, he's just like, can't you just be quiet? And, yeah. I, and that's what we want to do. We want to, 
we ride with it within our rear view mirror and we learn not to fear it because we are part of the eternal. You know, we are cut from the same cloth as the creator, you know? And so being that we are creators and we're on this very, very special experience. And, you know, they kind of present it in the story a little bit later on that the uniqueness about the human experience in this form is its finiteness, you know, is that idea that there's an expiration date and it's living through that and understanding that, that we actually transcend it. And that's what we're kind of looking from, from Geppetto and, totally. you know, everybody else. And that's, what's so unique about Pinocchio because he doesn't fear death. Yeah. You know, cause he, well, he has the ability to kind of come back um, and he makes the ultimate sacrifice at the end. But you know, this, this is also a representation of the process when the inner child is kind of locked away from us, mm. you know? So as we go into adulthood, as there's like indoctrination, we have to, you know, conform ourselves to society, you know, like people will think I'm weird if I wear my pants on my head, you know, like society's going to be like, hmm, what is that? Now, as a child, they'd be like, oh, that's cute. Like as an adult, you have to like start filling into these society roles. And when we kind of have to morph in, and this really starts around like middle school and high school for us, like, you know, around that like 13 rite of passage, your inner child does start getting put to the backseat, you know, and it could even be ridiculed, you know, when like we first express that it might not be accepted and they might be like, Hey, that's not, that doesn't work with this society contract that you were put into. And so with on the individual journey, this very much represents the, the loss of connection with our inner child. And then as we go back through it, we reconnect to it. And, you know, we, we think about that with like the Saturn returns, what people call their midlife crisis, which is really your second Saturn returns. Yeah. It's all about that journey to come back and nurture that inner child, love it and incorporate it and utilize it in our experiences as adults. Um, but it, it's very lonely when we kind of move away from that. You know, I kind of think about this as like when I kind of became like a little punk rock anarchist 12 year old with like different colored converse on, I like moved into this and like first time I had like a romantic impulse for somebody that inner child kind of gets like put away because I'm like, oh, I got to be like cool for this girl, mm-hmm. for her to notice me. You know, it's not, I can't just like express myself fully, you know? And you even think about it with like your friends, like you and I have always had a special connection of being able to like express ourselves fully with each other. But that wouldn't always happen in our friends group, you know, like we oh, wouldn't yeah. have that comfort to yeah. be able to do that. Like we could be very vulnerable and open with each other when we are together, but you have to put on a mask. And it's when we put on the mask of the persona to morph into our society and become something, we lose something about like our authentic essence. Absolutely. And it can be a very lonely, challenging thing until we like make this journey to reconnect to it and truly love it and raise it like our higher self, which is yeah. our child. It, I mean, it is hard. It is hard to retrieve it, to get it back once you've sort of made a decision to kind of grow out of it and then kind of build a new character, as you're mentioning. Um, it's funny because I, I was trying to hold my laughter back, but 
you know, complete side note from this whole story, for those who don't know, I've known Daniel for 21 years now, 22 years, crazy. But I had great admiration for you, man, because I never, I grew up pretty privileged, um, at least from like my adolescence period, from the time I was born, I should say, and then like until like my teens. Um, And so when my family was going through some financial um, shifts, I should say, because my dad was doing something different with his um, career, my parents were like, you need to, um, you need to get a job, you know? And I remember I was 14 going on 15, but you already had a job. And it was just crazy because it gave me the comfort to know that it can be not only be done, but this isn't like something to be upset about. It's just something that gives you sort of freedom. And I remember at the time, I think what we cherished the most besides going to like concerts were CDs, mm-hmm. you know? And, and so I remember you had the freedom to buy CDs and I thought that was so mature. I was like, wait, your parents don't buy those for you? My mom has to be like, I'm going to Target, da, 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 And I still have to kind of bring that infant side of me to mm-hmm. be like, hey, if I like don't say anything and we go through the CD aisles, there's a chance you could, you know, spot me a CD. Mm-hmm. I remember my parents were both like, you're done. Like we're done. Yeah. This is over. And I, I wanted to cry and I wanted to sort of, and it's funny because I think back on that, I had sideburns while this was happening. So it's kind of like, again, I was going through this transformation between like a child and then like a man that probably looks the same as I do now, as I did in like eighth grade. You do. <laughs> I looked at pictures recently. Like my my parents, like I remember we wanted to go to the skate park and they're like, why doesn't your new friend drive you? I'm like, he's 13. Like, There's no way that kid's 13. But keep keep continuing no no i was just saying like but you're right um we do kind of skip out of this and we and it, it is kind of hard and then you kind of fall into this placement of of becoming an adult and i remember you already had a job but what was fun working with you is that you could shift between the two so like if a customer walked in we worked at this restaurant daniel and i uh where his you got you got me a job there my first job but we were surrounded by adults i mean the owners of the of the restaurant were obviously adults and and I just remember um, how much they trusted you with all kinds of things I'd never worked with, whether it was registers and like the very expensive espresso machine. But in between that, you could like turn around and like use like I think a jelly packet to do like a little skateboard trick with it. And mm-hmm. I was just like, okay, we could still kind of have fun. But I definitely struggled with that because I think my initial reaction of adulting in that regard was to go full force. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like you got to put that kid away. And later on in life, to fast forward, to not keep going down this anecdotal period, is like, you, you know, I still look for things that bring that back to me all the time, whatever, whatever it might be, you know, um, whether it be listening to a podcast that has just nothing but rants on comedy or playing a guitar with no agenda, it kind of brings a little bit of that back to me. And it also sort of reflects onto who I'm with that day. And then I'm not so serious, you know, and I don't seem that serious. And I think that's important to have. And so to bring this all back to Geppetto, I think it's really nice for him. And I think that's something that got taken away from him, obviously, with the death of his son. is isn't just a physical son that passes on, but his permission to sort of intertwine himself with that inner child without having to go within on his own, just single person you know, need to find the inner child. He was already kind of living vicariously through Carlo. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, that's wonderment to you. That is wonderment to me. Mm-hmm. Let's like wonder together with that. And I think so the death is sort of a double down death on Carlo because it's not just this, you know, life has been cut short, but also that part of me that I was sort of channeling my inner child through is also gone too. So here I am just in a dark period. So 
anyways. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, and one of the reasons why Pinocchio is bought, brought into Geppetto's life is because he is trapped in the past. Mm. You know, we spoke about it before. I don't know why I keep saying that today, but the past is dead. The future is unwritten. You know, there is an infinite amount of timelines that we can collapse. And maybe, you know, those are contained in a certain kind of way, but we choose what wants to collapse. But, you know, when we live in the past, that's depression. When we're stuck thinking about the future, that's anxiety. Right. The here and now is where we're supposed to be. And that's where Geppetto is not living. And so, you know, the, the savior of the story and the savior of the world is experiencing this very moment between your two ears. Like that's the world savior. Like if you're listening to this podcast right now, the world savior is listening because that's you. You know, you are the ultimate. The universe needs you to remember that it is you. This very moment you can meet God in the here and now. So it's in the here and now that we actually experience true connection to the universe. Like, you know, we can't be stuck in other places and thinking of other things. And that's what Geppetto is not being able to see. He can't get back to the moment where, you know, the presence is the gift. The right. present moment is the gift. This is where we experience life. And this is where we can nurture the evolution of that and put ourselves to collapse the correct timelines to where our soul's going to find fulfillment. Our character is going to be strengthened. And Geppetto going through this tragedy that is so tough. And again, we spoke about it. Geppetto's a good man. You know, he's not, there's nothing unlikable about Geppetto, mm -hmm. you know? And so it's, I think it's so, such a good focus to look at because, you know, bad things, like tough things do happen to good people. You know, it's not like that thing, like you are mean to somebody and then your car has a flat tire immediately after, right. you know? And so this evolution that we're going to see is getting him back to the moment is getting him back to the idea that, you know, creation is evolving through you and it's looking through your eyes. And for this, for consciousness to go through its proper evolution, you have to be in that space. You know, you have to be connected to the breath. You have to be aware to be able to use your spiritual discernment to make sure that you use your free will to the proper nurturing of what you are destined to to become absolutely well said man well said and that kind of segs we and if i go too fast you know we'll, we'll i'll go ahead and edit this but um you know that segues me into like the character that's going to kind of have neutral ground on that and not a really a lot of empathy if you will for oh. geppetto's weeping and in the moment that he's weeping and having this you know recollection of his son and the dream and he's you know on a drunken um sort of like mourning period again comes you know Sebastian Cricket, you know, Jiminy Cricket. And I like that as Jiminy Cricket declares that this piece of pine is now his home. He's like, mm -hmm. this is my new home. This is where I'll write all my stories. And this is where I will begin the journey of my memoir, I think, or my memoirs or something along the lines of that. And then he, um, he hears Geppetto weeping and he, mm -hmm. he kind of takes a peek outside of the tree, the pine tree that he's leaning on or the pine cone tree, and he says, uh, oh, dear. Mm -hmm. Like, there's just something about his way of looking at him where 
it's not so much that he doesn't have empathy, but he's kind of like, well, that's life. And that's just how it is. And that's sad that this man is is mourning the loss of his son. But where was I? And yeah. he kind of just goes right back in. Mm-hmm. And and I think that, not to say that the heart isn't connected to a higher level of consciousness or your morale, but it, it also is you know, moving you forward to survive, mm-hmm. not so much linger in the past, which isn't going to do anything for anybody. And you kind of mm-hmm. see that really quickly with, with Jiminy Cricket's character, because, you know, from my childhood, I think very blurry from the original film, I was like, oh, isn't Jimmy Cricket just sort of this, you know, charming, uh, you know, uh, friend of Pinocchio that's there to lead him, which he is there to lead him. But I didn't remember that he's also kind of like, hey, like, I have sort of a rigid way of of helping you survive through the situation. Mm-hmm. It's only you can make the decision whether to go right or left, but you know, I'm not going to sit here and hold your hand either and like mm-hmm. coddle you to an extent. And I feel like they kind of brought that back into this new Jiminy Cricket, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, I did want to talk about really quick, the meaning of Sebastian, because mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting that it wasn't just JC uh, for Jiminy Cricket, but now it's Sebastian Jay Cricket. Um, and you were saying something about Sebastian and the meaning of the name Sebastian. Yeah, you know, and especially because it is Sebastian Jay Cricket, right? And that's the big thing is the JC, because that's really the representation of Jesus Christ. Right. Um, I didn't know that Jiminy Cricket was like a way to like curse in a nice like Midwest way. Right. You know what I mean? And so I'm totally gonna start using that, yeah. you know? Um, but it's Sebastian its etymology actually comes to like reverence, you know, of like something that is of high value and it actually has this deep connection. And what we kind of see with Jiminy Cricket is his connection to the representation of what he represents, which is the consciousness, like the awareness of this experience. And so as we meet all of these different parts inside of us, we see that there's multiple facets that have to go through evolution, Mm -hmm. you know? And so some people have to evolve their heart and empathy in this. And some people have to like evolve their strength, their consciousness. And when we meet this Sebastian Cricket, it's very much the consciousness through the ego, Mm. looking at my story. Like, let me tell you about you and like, listen to what I've done. And there's this like, you know, our, kind of like our yearning for fame yeah. and to like distinct ourselves. Yeah. And so we do, we're going to see that evolution of Jiminy Cricket going from that ego consciousness to the Christ consciousness. And he really does make the ultimate thing because he's the ones that wish is actually going to finally tie this all together. And so it's important when we say consciousness, well, your consciousness could be on a low vibration. Mm-hmm. You know, so we do have to raise that up. We have to learn how the heart, you know, we have to build strength. There's some people that come into this existence with a high emotional intelligence. But if you don't have strength, you're going to be susceptible to getting, you know, deceived. And people are going to like rob you of your energy. They're going to see you as weak. You know, you have to stand up for yourself. You have to stand up for your values, you know. So some people have to bring strength. Some people have to explore their heart and learn to love, learn to care about others. But it's all like a multiple facet kind of exploration. Pinocchio is going to represent something. Geppetto is going to represent something. And we meet a very special character here with Quick Cricket. And yeah, the reverence of 
where you can take your consciousness right. and how that is also part of that process. Because when we say consciousness a lot, we kind of think of like the universal perfection consciousness. Oh, right. <laughs> but you're climbing back up to that. You're climbing up those 33 vertebrae to get back to that connection and that unity consciousness. But it's just like everything else in this experience, we have to learn how to use it. You know, we kind of talked that with like the Kundalini energy. Mm -hmm. You know, Kundalini is like almost like with our spine, it's like this electricity that runs through us. And we're going to talk about the nervous system in just a moment. But just like electrician, you know, you can burn somebody's house down if you wire it wrong, or you can light their house up. But right. it takes skill, and we have to learn the trade of what it is to be a conscious individual in a conscious individual that is working with the greater whole to raise the consciousness of everybody else. And we learn that you do that by authentically being yourself. You know, we always think of like, what can I do to help save the world? You save the world by connecting to who you actually are and remembering who you actually are. And Geppetto's getting a little bit of a shake in waking up right now, which right. we all have experienced. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, this is probably the first part in the film that you kind of start seeing a combination of already sort of, uh, you know, not just what you're representing in regards to the consciousness you're saying, you know, with it tied in to the ego, because yes, Jiminy Cricket does sort of present himself in the beginning of this tale as sort of, you know, it's about me. And he kind of dismisses, um, you know, Geppetto's and um, sorrow. But soon after, Geppetto obviously, you know, curses the sky for, you know, or God or the creator for not, you know, listening to his prayers. And he decides to go on this sort of intense journey of cutting down the tree from the pine cone he once, you know, seeded from from the hands that came from the boy that is that he's mourning. And so there's this whole very powerful resemblance there on on all of that and the cycle that this is taking place with. But as the tree comes down, so so does Jiminy Cricket with the tree. And as he's, you know, crying and cutting down the tree, there's also the moment where um, Sebastian describes the spirits that are sort of floating amongst um, all, all, our, all of us humans in, in the high mountains and in the forested areas. And they don't know normally take a turn to sort of investigate the pain and sorrow of beings because, you know, it's part of the journey as we've already talked about. It's not something that is unique to just one person. Everybody feels this loss. Everyone feels this pain. But something about that moment makes these spirits in the mountains sort of take a little bit of a turn and put a light a little bit on to the situation with Geppetto. So as Geppetto and his drunken, angry, um, you know, tantrum cuts the tree down and brings it home and decides to say, you know, basically if the creator can't bring me my boy back, then I'll take it upon myself to bring mm -hmm. what I have lost, um, you know, physically um, with, with my skill set. And so, you know, this is the famous moment where he sort of starts to assemble Pinocchio like a madman, you know, and Sebastian's sort of like afraid of all this dark energy that he may seem to feel from Geppetto because he's so aggressive on how mm -hmm. he's assembling, you know, Pinocchio. It's not like he's saying, I lost my son, but this, you know, moment of weakness is going to make this um, physical boy. It's like, no, we all know that working with your hands and working with such a craft like wood takes 
energy, takes power, takes direction. And so he needs that fiery energy that he has in order to assemble Pinocchio. And of course, he's, you know, drinking along the way. But in that whole moment, uh, those spirits still follow Geppetto all the way back home. And so that's when we kind of meet the first of another worldly spirit that sort of decides to take empathy on Geppetto, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if I'm going too fast, man, feel free to interrupt. But I know we have a lot to talk about, so I'm trying to, you know, sort of encompass all this here. But I think that these spirits not only notice that he's in pain, but they also notice that maybe there's something they may be able to do for Geppetto. And I think in the original movie, it's obviously a fairy godmother. And here, very powerful as these mm-hmm. the images that um, Guillermo del Toro decides to use because it's very interesting how, again, you've said this before, he combines this Western mysticism and also this Eastern mysticism and sort of this Egyptian... Um, uh, imagery of like what a goddess may look like or what um, in this case this spirit um, represents comes to form and you know I know Sebastian's pretty afraid of it and I think that's when the the entity puts her hand on the wooden boy and I think she says may you walk the earth at, when the sun rises is that what she uh-huh. says uh-huh um and this is shortly after by the way when and something i want to talk about is when geppetto says i'll finish you in the morning and he climbs the stairs and he just like stumbles his way down and just Mm -hmm. like passes out cold um that the 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 fairy or this entity or this angel or the spirit comes in and Mm -hmm. gives life to to pinocchio so yeah i'll stop there and see where we go from here yeah yeah no and you know so much so many representations there and if we even you know, jump back to the idea of, of the tree getting cut down. Geppetto is very much the representation of the the god of this reality and like the creator of form, mm-hmm. but not, it's like the lesser god, right? Right. So in Gnosticism, this can be represented as like a demiurge, you know? Now, depending on like what esoteric school some people see this as like a loving energy, you know, the Elohim as like the seven planets, and right. some see it as a like a tyrant energy. Right. Um, so, but with the idea of like cutting down the tree, great Johnny Cash, you know, quote here, you can run and we're from God and like you can run and run, but eventually God's going to cut you down. Right. And that's what we kind of have. We have this fall. And, you know, it's it's very interesting and I'm glad that you brought that up of like how Jiminy Cricket is is kind of ignoring the pain of Geppetto. And it doesn't even want to process like everything that he's going through. Well, our consciousness blocks things out. That's like how the shadow is formed. And like we're seeing Geppetto's ch- shadow here and the consciousness doesn't know what to do. Mm. And this is why another reason why we like look to explore these subjects so we understand how to actually use the act of consciousness to heal and incorporate the shadow rather than blacking it out and causing automation projections. And so, you know, the consciousness when it's not through its evolution, it's just kind of chasing, you know, sensation and not aspiration, not inspiration. And so we kind of see this awareness. And then even when the, 
tree spirits, right, form into this unity, even the consciousness is afraid of that. Right. You know, it's it's afraid yeah. of seeing something that it can't explain. Because the consciousness has to be trained that, you know, the universe and creation is like, is one step above the, you know, um, one step above logic. You know, he can't logically understand the shadow of Geppetto and he can't logically form how these tree spirits formed into this angel. Um, and I love that they brought the tree spirits into this. This is, um, you know... Um, this is more like the Nordic? <laughs> Nordic, you know, Eastern Europe, Asia, everybody used to identify with spirits. And we know this when we walk through the forest. You know, spirits and angels are the thoughts of God. And that's and that's what they do. It's the thoughts of God being animated at a creation. And the idea that there are energies that are guiding us and they, you know, they rule these areas of nature. They rule our own nature. And as they unify and become the angel, Del Toro did a great job of actually animating what the biblical account biblical account of angels actually is. If you actually look at her yeah. wings, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is actually how angels were described. We kind of got this. They're pretty horrifying looking. <laughs> and in a good way. I'm just saying yeah. like and that's why I like I love that you brought that up. When I first saw it, I was like, oh I know what that is. Mm -hmm. But yeah. Mm -hmm. And there's been a lot of recent art, um, a lot of young artists now creating images like this. Yeah. You know, I think the angel that we see that we think of of like the child with the wings or the, like the safe woman with the wings really kind of comes from like the Renaissance. Right. I think that's when that idea was kind of formed, but more biblical, like accurate pictures of this are this overwhelming experience. And the consciousness was overwhelmed by this experience, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but when we kind of really look at it as like angels are the thought of God, what we meet here with this angel is the end of life and like bringing life. And when we speak about our cosmic parents, you know, the universal father and the universal mother, we spoke before that the universal father loves you so much that it doesn't impede itself on you. Mm -hmm. It gave you free will to like make your way back to creation or the creator, the ultimate creator, the OG. But the universal mother tends to you. It, 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 when you cry, it gets upset and it comes right. to you to say, like, to, to heal, just like the mother does. You know, if I were to fall down as a kid, my mom's going to come over and, like, rub my leg and be like, it's going to be okay. My dad's like, rub some dirt on it, you know? And then my cancer rising is just crying, just, just to have the experience of crying. But we see this, this two cosmic energies in the interplay, and we see how the cosmic mother actually comes to nurture and it will move to you. And these are the moments when you're, you know, you're at maybe your like lowest point mm -hmm. and you have this like moment of inspiration. It's, it's this mother coming to like try to heal and nurture mm -hmm. you. Um, and so these two, the two dynamic energies behind the universe do work in different ways. Um, you know, we kind of look at if we drop down from the cosmic mother and go to our next expression, that's mother nature. Right. Where do most of us go when tragedy hits? We we go to nature. We go to either the ocean, we go into the woods. We have to separate ourselves from the synthetic fabric 
of of society. We have to kind of get out of the the wheel of you know this indoctrination. Like we right. we go to the mother to heal, which is Mother Earth, and it is so healing. You know, even if I'm not even going through something at that point, I go out to nature and I feel better. You know, it's it's the interplay between these two cosmic energies, and we do we see the angel of life. And then we're going to see the angel of death. And it's very fascinating because they're voiced by the same actress. Yeah. Which totally ties together that life and death are just opposite sides of the same coin. And it gives life and it's also going to, you know, end life um, and that kind of experience. But yeah, you know, we, we do have that like special point when she touches Pinocchio and we actually see the, the like the nerves lighting up with this like blue conscious you know life force energy mm-hmm. and it animates him and it, it brings him to life and you know when we kind of think about it you know even when you like come across like maybe like a dead animal why is it that we know it's dead from afar before we even like go up on it like you can see lifeless energy mm-hmm. it's different it's like you just like consciously know that, that that's the life has left that form. Um, And just the, like the animating factor and it's going down his nervous system and the nervous system is connected to the spinal cord. And so we're seeing the tree of life and how it brings energy throughout the body and how it moves through us. And it's all kind of coming from this wooden boy who's now getting brought to life. And, I think now's a good time to maybe explore the concept of wood. Yeah. So, well, you know, yeah. before you go that, I did, I did want to say that, you know, I know we're going to evolve Jiminy Cricket's character, but there is a moment where, again, this lower level of consciousness is very annoyed that this, you know, angel or this, you know, entity is even just like touching his new home. And he sort of bargains with, with it once he doesn't fear it he sort of looks at it and goes like, well, what are you going to do for me? Like Mm -hmm. what you just, you just basically have given my home, this life form, this soul, this power to be bit bigger than just like, um, you know, an inanimate inanimate object uh, or just a a wooden piece of, uh, you know, whatever craftsmanship you want to call it with Pinocchio. Um, and that's when she decides to assign him, Mm -hmm. you know, to teach the boy, not only how to, you know, do right from wrong, but also she grants him a wish. And you kind of see the arrogance in Sebastian where he's like, all right, fine. Like, yeah. finally, you're giving me something. You know, you're, you're, you're guaranteeing, guaranteeing something for me having to, you know, take this child on and show him, you know, right from wrong. It's not like he just volunteers mm-hmm. himself to say, you know, oh, you know, this this wonderful moment has just happened here right before my eyes. How can I, you know, help to to guide this this boy again there's something about the lower self or again in, in what we talk about the ego that's sort of saying what are you going to do for me you know what are you going to what are you going to even if i can see the spiritual aspect to this even if i can have a connection to it there's still something that we all go through and i remember that even as a child being raised in in catholicism there was always this underlying like if i do good you'll bring me good back, right? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't so much like if I do good, then I shouldn't expect anything in return. You do right. good for goodness sake. You know, you do it for the the way of, of life to go on without that sort of shade of darkness. 
but we all have to kind of like make the journey to find out what the value in not wanting anything in return truly represents versus wanting something in return mm -hmm. and how, you know, it kind of more so causes problems in your life by being sort of selfish like that. And so you kind of see all that, that exchange immediately with, with Jiminy Cricket, you know, you're just like, Oh, okay. He's still, he's still in a phase of his life of just like, expectations yeah expectations exactly yeah. so um that's all i wanted to add but yeah man no, let's let's I, talk about it yeah no i i love that you brought that up because you know as we go through this evolution of truly understanding the the mountain of octaves that love contains we learn to love and live without expectations because mm -hmm. you you brought it up perfect like when i think about myself as a child like when i was assigned chores I remember being like, well, do I get an allowance? Can I get like, right. can I rent an N64 game at the end of the week? And it was like one of those things where like, I remember my dad being like, no, you're just going to do it because you love your mother and you're going to lessen her load. And that's what we're kind of looking at. And that's ultimately what she's going to have Jiminy Cricket like recognize. Yeah. But again, the consciousness lives in expectations and it lives in this. If I do this, what am I going to get out of it? And you see a lot of people have a relationship with even like exoteric religion with this. Like if I worship this God, what's it going to bring to me? You know? Right. And that's like, that's this kind of alignment that we get. And it's, that's, that's going to create relationships that are not through the heart. And so again, we're evolving the consciousness out of this idea as, you know, you just need to do things for love. And you are going to learn to love this boy because it is you. And so I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, you know, that was very obvious, you know, especially in such an intense moment um, where he kind of goes from being very fearful to very fearless of, mm -hmm. of the entity of the angel of the spirit, you know, and he's just like, what are you going to do for me? Mm -hmm. But, um, but yeah, so, so he is granted life. And then the morning comes and Geppetto awakens, right? So do you want to start talking about wood from there, you know, and the power of, of this, um, you know, of this like component that we're going to talk about with this, with him being a craftsman, like he is, um, is that where you want to head to next? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, and there was actually a really special part too. Um, and I and actually wrote down a quote, um, that she actually shares with Pinocchio when he asked her you know, am I a real boy? And she says, no, Pinocchio. To make Geppetto's wish come true will be entirely up to you. Prove yourself to be brave, truthful, and unselfish. And someday you will be a real boy. The desire of the universal life force for us to dis discover our authentic self is what's right going on there. Right. You know, um, living to this idea of like climbing to perceive this experience through a higher accord and through a higher octave. Um, that's when we become real. Right. You know, um, they, they kind of speak and, you know, this story is, is very much based on Freemasonry. And one of the things that we kind of see is Freemasonry really doesn't believe in a lot of the esoteric schools really don't believe that you are real until initiation. 
everything else before that is actually decay. Mm. And so this is kind of an initiation right here. This is really like that inner, like the introduction of the first inner, inner, the first um, initiation. I can't believe I just said that word and then forgot that word through cancer, which is like the birth, you know, and this initiation and the form, this fall into form. And um, yeah, we're, we're seeing the animation and just the, the idea of, well, things are about to get real. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, in the morning when Geppetto awakens, um, you know, back to, to fearing such a miracle and when it does happen to us and trying to comprehend it, that's like pretty much immediately the, the first thing that um, occurs in the morning. You know, he wakes up to look for what he is sort of put together with his skills and he remembers enough that he, you know, took down a tree and put it together as a boy, you know, I mean, I would hope that he did, you know, uh, it's a lot of work for one man to take on, but yes, he wakes up in the morning and the boy is no longer sitting where he left him. Mm. He kind of looks under the table and he looks around and he kind of hears a sort of bit of a ruckus upstairs and he immediately takes to arms and threatens whatever might be up there. And just out of the shadows comes, you know, Pinocchio looking a little less more like a boy and more like just sort of an abomination at first, you know, but it is the way we come to life when we come on to, to becoming a human. It's never so pretty as, you know, a boy who's got the rosy cheeks as a five or six year old. It's a little bit, you know, like a baby lamb when it's born or a horse for that matter. Um, where you're kind of sort of squirrely on how you stand and how you find a way to balance yourself. And that's kind of what you're seeing in that very split second is Pinocchio sort of not really knowing what a first step looks like or, you know, how to really carry himself and which way is right or which way is, is um, left. But nonetheless, he's still kind of like super excited and joyful to see his father. And he just screams. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting because I don't want to like obviously go and depict every little scene and say, well, this could be this meaning and this could be that meaning. But they do encompass a meaning that us fathers may go through when we first see our first child. It's sort of this alien moment of Mm -hmm. like, you're fragile, you're different, you're vulnerable, Mm -hmm. you're scared. You're not, you know, I mean, I'm not saying I can't speak for all fathers who when they see their firstborn are like, you know, some of them might be immediately um, overwhelmed with joy. But I can tell you that I've definitely have had those moments where I don't know how to respond to an infant. And I feel like they kind of give a brief moment of Pinocchio's come coming onto life of that, like that infant coming into Mm -hmm. uh, the physical world where Mm -hmm. he's not just like gentle and soft spoken. He's Mm -hmm. like, hi father. He's just like, wow, I'm Mm -hmm. here. And he's like, ah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that is interesting because the masculine energy, so it's not just like a man, but, you know, people that are more dominated by the masculine energy, I think don't know how natural nurturing is. You know, like the mother automatically knows how to hold or somebody with a lot of feminine energy, they just kind of know how to kind of operate it. I realized, I think the first time I held a baby was like when I was like 31 or 32 years old. Mm. I was just like, nope, I can't do that. I don't know how Same. to do that. But Same. like- I've seen so many people hold babies. I knew how to hold a baby. And right when I did it, I held the head. I supported the head. You know, I held the, I did fine. Good baby holder, right? But I was like scared of it. I didn't know how to like let it naturally unfold out of me. When we really do know how to nurture 
in an intuitive way. It's this like internal realization. And we obviously some see some people who have a higher capacity and a higher awareness of this where it moves through them easier. And some people do have to go through processes of like how you actually do it. But there is a fear that kind of comes over, you know, and especially with like Pinocchio, it's, there's like this exciting energy here. And it's really like this birth of life. And we kind of could see it as when we had our conversation about like Aries in the first house, mm. the coming online of this reality, mm-hmm, the realization mm-hmm. that we are our own separate entity. And this actually pulls in some Eastern mysticism here as well, because we have the element wood. And so in ancient Chinese philosophy, there's five elements and wood really represents like the birth of life. Mm-hmm. Um, the essence of the creator. You know, even when you think about wood, wood does not go through a very complex process to be made into like a table. Right. You just kind of trim it down. But the essence of the tree is still very contained. Well, in wood and Aries, the essence of the creator is still very contained. It like animates out. You know the difference between a real wood table and like particle board Ikea furniture. You can feel the soul in wood. You feel the the energy that it contains. And that's what we're going to be kind of seeing animate out of Pinocchio at this point. And it does represent this wood energy. And wood is exciting. It's curious. You know, it's asking so many questions. What's this? What's that? Because when we go through that process, which we all did, we had to determine what's me and what is not me. Right. You know, I'm sitting in this chair, but I am not the chair. You know, and we actually have to go through that distinction. And, you know, it's it's really fascinating because, like, it can be overwhelming, um, you know? And even as, like, parents, we're... We're not like Geppetto's not really connected to himself. And so, like, even when you think about it, like as a child, the child's like, Who who is that? What is that? And you're like, Oh, that's the postman. He delivers the mail, right? But the child, when he's looking, is like, no, but who is that? Like what what drives him? What gets him up in the morning? But right. we just look at the um the task that he's delivering or the the job that he's been exactly assigned, right? exactly you know we just i can't believe that i'm like forgetting at this the title you yeah. know oh it, this is it so we already are kind of like distinction and kind of shutting it off but like as a child like what makes him laugh what makes that person cry you know what are they experiencing the same thing that i'm experiencing and so this wood energy really comes on as like excitement um, and Geppetto, you know, is probably pretty hungover. He was drinking like a, you know, he was really going at it. Um, and so we, this ambitious energy is is a little intense for him. And he kind of runs away from it too, which is always the dance when the inner child comes back. When um really good movie that we did a breakdown on the membership page a while ago from was the Christopher Robin Mm-hmm. story of like winnie the pooh which is interesting because that's jiminy cricket um the older christopher robin that's the same character who does the the voice of him but no anyway, way yeah yeah so it's funny when you said that i was like oh that's the same Isn't guy. So f- couple different things of like repeat voices yeah. you know um and we saw that in that movie too like 
they're embarrassed about their inner child coming right. back. And he's actually going to go to church and he's going to leave his inner child behind. Right. And the inner child's just going to follow. And it creates ruckus because like, we deny it at first. We don't want to experience it. We don't know what it is. Like, what is this waking up inside of me? But it's, it's the essence of life waking up into you. You know, it's your connection with life. And that's what that wood is going to contain. And wood plays such a strong role through the remainder of the story. And, yeah. you know, we've talked about the esoteric value of trees before and how it was one of the original religions that tied people to the understanding of spirituality. But wood is so interesting because thinking about the process of a tree, how when it first sprouts out of the ground, it's weak. It gets stronger over time. This is a lesson for us. We have to get stronger over time. We have to, you know, push our roots down so we can actually have solid, you know, a solid foundation so we don't bend and break with the winds and the tribulations of this life, right? And so we put our roots down in the ground, we put our roots into hell, so the tree can actually grow out of that, and our branches can reach up to heaven. And this is part of the process. We have to go through hell to make it to the mountain of of spiritual enlightenment. You know, we have to know who we are, we have to know where we came from. We have to know our essences. We have to understand the foundational principles to be able to explore these bigger esoteric understanding ideas of what this process is all about. And so wood and trees are going to be such this thing that we're going to see. And, you know, the idea too that Geppetto is working on a cross made out of wood. And Pinocchio is wood. So right. that idea of, you know, we're cut from the same cloth of the creator, that's going to be a big theme as well. That's going to be kind of brought up and how one piece of wood is loved and one piece of wood is feared, which right. Pinocchio kind of becomes. And we'll, we'll look at that as that becomes a little bit more um, noticeable throughout the story. But, you know, exploring the wood element in Chinese, um, you know, mythology and even just like the idea again that it bears the signature of the original creation and you know Geppetto in the original story I believe was a clockmaker and so it's it's kind of that connection to father time but we we see him as a carpenter here which is that representation of you know not only the story of Jesus but a builder a builder of life and we're going to kind of see that throughout but before cuz we kind of just talked about Chinese mythology, um, you know, just a, a little sidebar, and I'm really looking ex- to explore more about like ancient chi- China and their esoteric principles. We really lost so much in the 1950s when ancient China was destroyed mm. and we moved into, you know, with the Great Leap Forward and right. everything like that. And so, Hashtag bring back ancient China. You I know, know, I know, man. I mean, the whole communist movement, how it blocks everything you're bringing to the forefront is part of that fear that we've sort of locked doors to um, wanting to connect with in order to follow order and discipline because mm-hmm. that's something you're going to see within a lot of this movie with, um, you know, fascism 
and why an undisciplined mind is a bad thing because an undisciplined mind wanders and wandering can cause a lot of harm for mm -hmm. those who have wanted to dictate or stick to one only philosophy that makes the one country, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, so I agree. I think it's a good way to tie that in because you're going to see that with within this movie mm -hmm. um, pretty much off the bat, you know, yeah. because... Um, and if I may, do you want me to continue on like what happens next? Yeah. I, the, and I was going to say the lead get lead right. when we think about alchemy. So, but please like continue that. my guy. No, no. I, and so I, and you know, you and I sort of brought this up. You said something that I really thought was very profound, but i being cut from the same cloth and having a misunderstanding that both in the same, um, can only be divided if we want it to be mm -hmm. in. And I think that's what we do as, as a fear or fear mm -hmm. tactic is not seeing, that we're all in the same and compartmentalizing each other, or at least um, something that's misunderstood is a quick reaction to that which we fear, that which we don't want to sort of connect to. And in this case, I think Geppetto is having that experience, but he's also late for church. Mm -hmm. So he has no time to sort of process things and he puts Pinocchio away and he tells Pinocchio like you need to stay here I'm gonna go into town but you need to stay here locks and so yeah he locks him in the closet and leaves and I think Pinocchio just easily finds a way to break the door and um and I think it's Sebastian or Jiminy Cricket who tells him like no like he told you to stay like you have to obey and this is the first time you start to realize that the joy that this boy and the wonderment that it carries through him and his soul overpowers no matter what Jimmy Cricket says to him, mm -hmm. you know, cause you would think, man, a talking cricket, even though he's a boy that just came online, doesn't know the difference of what, what is what there's still someone there telling him like, Hey, don't do this. But mm -hmm. he's just like, he never says no to him. He just goes with his heart. Mm -hmm. You know, he's like, I'm going into town. Like I'm mm -hmm. going to see what more it is to discover. I just discovered this little woodsman, or this, sorry, this uh, craftsman's uh, wood shop and all the things that are here, but there's got to be way more. Right. And my appetite is, you know, very, very much not um, satisfied yet. And so he goes into town. And so Geppetto's in church, you know, overwhelmed with what he left at home. And as everyone is, you know, praying and, and having uh, or participating in the ceremony, or sorry, in the, in the mass, uh, rather, Pinocchio walks in, uh, uninvited, sort of intrudes into um, the church, I believe, and notices everybody is sort of kind of doing their thing. And and immediately, I think they just stand up and point at him and just ostracize him pretty quickly into just thinking like, this is some sort of demonic mm -hmm. entity, you know, walking amongst us, you know, without taking any consideration for what it might be or what... Um, why it's so curious and you know there's not even something he's done yet to to get that kind of judgment of him being evil it's mm -hmm. just immediately like this has got to be a bad thing mm -hmm. which is so natural to not just the time in this regard with you know the roman catholic church and and condemning people without really knowing or understanding the differences that we all may carry but the intentions that all might be the same this is where you have that separation where, you know, Christ himself would have said, like, you know, give the boy a chance. Yeah. And even the priest is, like, not trying to calm anyone down, saying, like, well, let's give the boy a chance. You know, it's just Geppetto has to kind of jump up as the father and mm -hmm. sort of go, okay, this is my time to defend mm -hmm. him. Otherwise, these people are going to rip him apart. Mm -hmm. And that's where you meet the first villain, right. which uh, I believe his name is Podesta, and a uh, very intense character. But um, 
I know you you want to say something really quick, so um, go ahead. Yeah, no, perfect, man. And we are about to meet this this villain that is going to represent this external authority. And you know what? I kind of want to kind of address too because it's very interesting that not only was this inner child something that Geppetto feared when he first woke up in the morning, and it's in his attic, and he tries to like attack it. He tries to attack it can't do that. And so he tries to lock it in a closet. He tries to lock it away. And, you know, you can try to hide the inner child, but the inner child has the key. The inner child is going to be able to escape out of any right. you know, closet that you put it in, a skeleton in your closet. But that key is also the key of your salvation. It's also the key that's going to, you know, make us immortal in the spiritual sense. And so... When we do lock up the child, it will escape. And it's going to get your attention through projections in this five sense reality. And when the inner child is not loved and guided in an intellectual, you know, governing way, the projections that it pulls into our life and the experiences it, it attracts to us are usually very damaging to the self and even very damaging to the community. And so you know, a lot of the collective trauma and experiences that we feel, what is actually going to represent by the World War I, which started the story, and the World War II, is this idea that Geppetto's not the only one that's locked away as inner child. You know, it's, it's one of those things, as we do it, we bring more damaging projections into this reality. And that's what wars are. That's what, you know, all these things that we experience that is the opposite of love is the collective projections of hiding their inner child away. And I think it's fascinating that, you know, it kind of shows the inadequacy of modern day religions. And we're going to kind of see it with like Catholic and especially around this time of, you know, really completing the spiritual work because your shadow is denied. You know, it, you're right. The priest wasn't like, oh, this is a part of you that you need to incorporate. It looked at it like it was a demon. And you think about even how, you know, modern religions approached things and clarified them and declared them evil. How could what you do in your bedroom with another consenting adult be evil? You know, so this thing of like this pure essence that Pinocchio represents is this idea of the things that we hide because we think we're going to kind of get judged, right? you know, and judgment needs to be transmuted into discernment. And that's also going to be the process that we see Geppetto doing as well as he makes that evolution from judging, you know, preconceived notions and what we were told is good versus evil to really truly having spiritual discernment to where we decide, we become our own individual representations of consciousness. We decide who's evil. You know, the... The news can tell me that Russia is my enemy because I live in America, but there's nobody in Russia that's my enemy. Right. You know, it's all love. Like, they can try to divide us and kind of create these separations, but we become our own representation here to be like, no, I decide what's right and what's wrong, you know? And that's going to be a big process as well as we kind of see it with this, this responsibility that is part of that spiritual identity and not just consenting to let other people think and feel for you because then you're the puppet. Like, it's really funny 
The only individual that's not a puppet in the story is actually a puppet. Pinocchio plays, he's, he's doing his own rules. Yeah. He's not controlled by strings and society. He's just animating himself and trying to learn how to like unfold that. So really interesting that the only, the real puppet is actually the one that is like liberated from that. And if you think about it, so many of like strings are always on us in society. And sometimes the puppets are controlled by strings, but you know, sometimes we see it with like politicians and people who push narratives that they're not so much puppets with strings. It's more of like somebody's got their hand up their butt and they're talking through their mouth and they're just speaking doo-doo to everybody, Right. you know, and they just like keep that cycle going. And so, you know, no strings attached, there ain't no strings on me is, is such a good thing to kind of think about and to explore as this story continues. And that's exactly what they try to do with this figure that we're going to see that represents that authority that tries to take you from the spiritual essence and right. make you dependent on the, on, you know, government or anything like that. Yeah. A lot unfolds in that church with everything that to related to everything you're saying with, within, um, you know, not only just like the, the collective thinking in that moment, because I, I think even the, the priest is upset, says, you know, all these years we've had this unfinished Christ and yet you bring this demonic creature that you've like, crafted mm -hmm. um you know how how dare you like shame on you and i think people curse him and they mm -hmm. they you know they let him know that he's not welcome and he needs to leave and um and, and you just you would think you know in the house of god that would be the one time he would have an opportunity to feel accepted mm -hmm. you know it's like oh i'm walking in you know with eyes wide open but quickly i'm see i see for myself that the village itself is not for me and is mm -hmm. completely against me but again he, as you just mentioned with the no strings attached he is a representation of something that everyone who is now already collectively wanted to join a single thought has to feel you know rattled by it because they're just like what are what are you you know how can you have such undisciplined and such you know free thinking um within our our little you know, um, group of people, um, we'd rather see you gone. And people see some harsh things in the house of God. They're like, burn it, you know, like destroy this thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's a good thing for, for a younger crowd to see, because this is something that happened for, you know, including with Christ's own story himself, you know, of what happened to him and being ostracized, um, but then be worshiped after you'd think that the example of, you know, his sacrifice would be an example for, you know, hundreds of years thereafter to understand not to throw, you know, the stone, but people just don't do that. Because again, it's it's an instinctual thing to have this fear of that which is free. You know, it's always been that way and it always will be that way. We, we witnessed it as, as children in school, you know, and they use words to repurpose, you know, what you might be doing as, you know, not having some sort of uh, control over your behavior or not having um, the ability to know from right or wrong. You're just a child, but you know, right from wrong, you know, you're, you're not causing harm so much as you are just exploring your environment. And if you explore too far outside the box, well, we know that, you know, there's punishment to be uh, or punishment that will occur from, from such thing. And so there's a whole lot of things that can unfold and unpacked in that moment but um 
you know, Geppetto now as a father has to sort of make this decision to go, well, you know, I did create this life form and I did bring this life form into existence. So he takes him home to sort of kind of teach him, you know, mm -hmm. there's, there's boundaries, there are going to be boundaries and there are going to be people who are going to tell you, you know, how to live and how to be. And I think that one of the first things he introduces to Pinocchio and I might get, it might be going too fast or skipping over some stuff, but it's saying tomorrow you'll go to school and tomorrow you'll learn. But I forget there's something before that, right? Yeah. Well, the, um, and I'm, I'm like blanking on what the, the like authority leader or that government official is. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but they do. They, they Podesta. Actually, oh, okay. Perfect. That's Podesta. Podesta. Um, they actually come to his house. They come to his home and he comes with the priest and one of the unique things is you can see the the heavy bags under the priest's eyes. Yeah. That life force is left because it's it's sacrificed itself to material gain. Yep. You know, and it's following this. And we saw this, you know, the Catholic Church supported Hitler. You know, we you know we we taught we hear about like all of these great things that, you know, the churches say about like what they do, but like there's a lot of starving people and they sure have a shitload of gold, you know, like when you see the Pope, you're like, is that a religious leader or is this a two chains music? Video? Right. You know, like they've got bling bling, you know? <laughs> so we're starting to see the, the decay of organized religion um, and how it needs to die and be reborn. You know, we need to go through this process of rather saying like this is what as a sin is and this is what good is like right no you know if you're not hurting somebody else and you're not robbing them of their you know property which could also include their body you should be out there to be able to be authentically blossom who you are and we're really seeing control and it's the two representations of the control of state and the control of the state and the control of the church right um two keep people attached to their strings and they're going to come and they're actually going to tell Geppetto what to that do. his son has yeah. to go to school and different than the, the Disney variation, because in the Disney variation, the boy comes online, there's this miracle and he's like, okay, let's go to bed. Cause tomorrow you got to go to school. And you're like, Geppetto, what the hell is that dude? Like you yeah. just had a wooden doll come to life and you're like already like pushing it out to go to school. Like what the hell are you going to do all day? Geppetto? Yeah. Like you don't yeah, want to yeah. hang out with this new wooden <laughs> thing. I was like, what a, what a weirdo. Um, but he, he does, they get forced to go to school. Yeah. Forced to go through indoctrination. Well, the, the priest explains <laughs> to Geppetto or reminds Geppetto that Podesta is there to keep the well-being of the, t the town. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when you kind of realize like the town mm -hmm. doesn't have a sovereign spirit as mm -hmm. much as it needs to just sort of, you know, bow to this one individual who's like, you know, this is the way, this yeah. is the path, this is how it will be. Absolutely. And, yeah. Go you ahead. know, and kind of interesting, even with like the timeline, you know, Italy wasn't really unified into the country that we know until like the late 20, like the early 20th century and like right there in the end of the 19th century. So this idea of nationalism is very new in Europe. Like we think of nationalism, like it's always been a thing, but right. nobody ever used to identify with their country. And we're really going to see how that's kind of used to create this idea of the, we think we have like dependence on an outside power all your power is going to come from your internal self, you know, but, oh, like without us, this could happen without us, this could happen. Like, yeah, but with you, I feel like 
we're dropping a lot of bombs on people that are innocent. You know, like they they say like, oh, you're going to get like gangs are going to take over. You start to look at it and you're like, you're just the biggest gang on the block. Yeah. You know, like what they can kind of get away with and like the revolving door candidates and human trafficking, things like this. Like we we really kind of start to see the evil that's kind of presented, but it's presented again with roses, but there's a lot of decay under there. And we can actually see that decay in these characters. And you can see that life force leave people um, when they kind of move into that, oh, I have no power in myself. Let me attach my boat to somebody else and let me get towed rather than actually, you know, cutting through time in our own direction Mm -hmm. and being like master of our own ship, we're putting and we're latching onto something. And this can be very destructive because this is how you get the ideology that it's okay to kill. You know, like that was when you kind of brought that up earlier. I like that. As a child, you know, right or wrong. It was kind of perplexing when it was like, oh yeah, you don't kill. Unless they live beyond this imaginary border, this imaginary line that actually doesn't exist in reality. If they're beyond that, you can kill them. You know, and it was like, at one point, it was like, you know, you can kill Eastern Europeans. At one point, it's like, you know, people from the Middle East. It's like, there's this justification that all of a sudden, natural law is transcended by man's law. And we have the movement to put man's law above as like ruling it. And this truly is like the idea of Satanism. You know, we talk about Satanism is not this like, idea of like what you see on true tv about like you know think 13 year olds like sacrificing a cat or something it's this idea that you know man like trans is like overcomes spirit and it like controls it when really we learn it to learn how we can like evolve it you know that's the difference between a white magician and a black magician so we see the ultimate black magicians working which is tyrannical governments and religions that don't bind you back to the truth, but bind you back as like slavery and like, you know, control. So again, we're seeing the puppet masters. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, and again, with with children being an overarching theme here in the innocence of a child, you know, there's always this one split moment uh, when a child is coming on to, you know, coming online or becoming an individual that is learning from where it comes from, what culture it belongs to, that you can sway very easily. And of course, the manipulation of a child is something that people have talked about for ever. And one of the things that, you know, you're going to see a lot in this movie is how they take that innocence and convert it to, or compartmentalize where that energy should be. You know, if they're different, if they're different in color, if they're different in shape, then it's a bad thing. And if it's a bad thing, then like you said, it's okay if we eliminate and you see this right away with with you know not only Podesta but Podesta's son. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's already he's already kind of showing signs of like, well, you're different, therefore I can be a little bit malevolent mm-hmm. towards you. And I think it happens when I think Pinocchio, when the, well, the adults are speaking about school and what they're going to do with Pinocchio, um, and that's the priest and Podesta and Geppetto. Pinocchio just wants hot chocolate and sits by the fire. But not knowing yet what the potential fire can do, the little boy mm-hmm. that is the son of Podesta is like, why don't you put your feet in that, mm-hmm. you know? And then before you know it, uh, you know, Pinocchio's on fire and the little boy, he, know, he knows better. You can mm-hmm. see the deceit in his eyes. Um, but he's only acting on it because, you know, obviously the influence of his own father is showing him the way of 
if it's different, if mm-hmm. it speaks different, if it looks different, then it's probably not your friend, mm-hmm. which is terrible, you know, um, as we all know. So anyways. No, I, I love that you brought that up. And just that influence, you know, of the idea, Pinocchio is now crossing the threshold and he's meeting, you know, we think about the first six houses as like the me in here. Right. So he's like crossing over to meet the me out there. And we start to see ourselves in others and we start to see opposites. And this is a really important thing of how do you deal with differences? You deal with differences as loving variations of the universal life force. You know, you teach your children to understand that we're all in this fun house, right? In creation, the universal life force is the light. That's like, we all have like our own little angle here. So that universal life force, although it's the same, is like bouncing off mirrors in a very unique way that's going into our eyes to perceive this life. Right. But everybody else has a different position. And so we really want to cherish this idea of variations. You know, conformity is death. You know, we need to be able to authentically evolve. And we see how we create, we are, we create. Right. We're kind of taught to, you know, police each other when somebody's different. And we see this in early school with like teasing and bullying. Right. You know, we can ostracize others. Now, I think... The, these new generations are doing such a better job of acceptance. Like even as a school teacher, I was so blown away. Um, but they're also manipulating this now in a different way because yeah, of that are. pendulum, you know, and they're filling these children with things that children don't need to be processing. You know, it's not that, you know, we can't talk about same sex messages, marriage, like same sex relationships, but we don't need to be talking about sex with kindergartners anyway. Like, let them mature, go through the rite of passage, and then we could teach them, like, who you're attracted to is fine, as long as they're consenting and it's safe, you know, and you're not dominating and being aggressive and, you know, they're of age. But the idea, like, how we're utilizing this acceptance, we're pushing it in a very much, like, manipulation way. It's it's kind of this fascinating thing that we're kind of even exploring with this with this idea of, like, you know, generated hate and how we are kind of taught to hate. And it's through these experiences without right direction that we understand how people get violent. We understand how people can ostracize. And, you know, it's kind of interesting, and we'll get to that point, but when they're like, when these boys meet again, um, they have a great connection. But before that, there's like this idea where they're like talking about war and they're like, oh, I love war, I'm not scared. Pinocchio says, I love war too. And his nose doesn't grow. Like he truly did love war and like our relationship with that of like, oh, do I love beating myself up? Do I love, you know, these self, like these self-defeating thoughts that I have? Do I love these attachment to negative emotions? And we really kind of learn that this is a process that kind of comes in these foundational fundamental years of of childhood and why it's so important to, you know, raise a child to be strong, healthy, and like loving. Um, because if not, it's it's a really hard program to go back to. Right. I mean, you and I are going through that process right. of like right. separating from that indoctrination, but it's Well yeah, I mean to 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 the point where you just said about the of them loving war and his nose not growing, you know, you're seeing you're seeing that no matter what generation uh, we're or what century we're in, is that the need for acceptance and social like acceptance you know, overrides the logic of what even you're saying because you're just so 
intended or your your intentions are so you know locked into wanting to be part of the tribe that mm-hmm. you're sort of overriding the logic of what you're actually saying or mm-hmm. wanting to represent and in that case that's what all he's doing mm-hmm. it's just like no i'll prove to you that i love war more than you do mm-hmm. but really i'm just saying like hey like I'm on your side, regardless of whatever the side might be, just so we can all be at peace. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's ironic, you know, I mean, as George Orwell would say, you know, peace is love and, you know, with, mm-hmm. with love and war, you know, this isn't the same, you know, how he says with, um, you know, there, you must have war to have peace, but it's, you know, it's just such interesting philosophies that get kind of thrown out there to kind of understand, you know, what, what it is that we don't understand and why we, you know, succumb to these decisions that we make or the things that we believe in order to just feel loved. Yeah. And that's all it is. It's just wanting to feel loved, but you know, there's a way to play the game based on who teaches you how to enact, um, what's right and wrong. And that's Mm -hmm. just, that's just terrible. You know, it's just, uh, I, I've experienced it once or twice, but I kind of just laugh at these things and I don't want to like go completely off on a tangent here. I know we're already kind of pretty deep into this, but you know, I've, I've gone through this when I was in school, I think when I was in high school and I would have people tell me how I should be thinking based on the fact that I am, um, Hispanic. And I just remember having teachers who weren't at all connected to my Hispanic culture or heritage, but they're telling me like, how I need to respect it and what I need to respect about it. And I'm like, do you even know what you're saying? I mean, but because I was younger and I was in high school, you know, you kind of just do what you're told and you kind of just agree. And I just remember thinking I was just so perplexed by that because it's like, I get your intentions are in your mind altruistic, but you're not, you're not knowing what you're saying. It's just making you look silly um, and not really conveying the point. So you're going to see a lot of that in this, in this whole film from the adult side, you know, let me tell you about you. Yeah. And that's what I like about what comes next. Um, when he starts, um, his journey into, uh, school. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a good little precursor just to kind of talk about that fire and the feet coming on fire. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, because he's about to walk through hell. Pinocchio is about to go on this journey and that was his first dance with fire. And fire, again, can illuminate, cook your food, keep your family warm, but it also can destroy. And so there's this relationship and this awareness that we kind of have to create. And again, it's the idea of bringing this inner child up and tying it with the intellect, you know, taking the intuition and the intellect coming together, which is discernment. And, you know, I think it's really good that we we see the first lesson that he's presented with and the idea of even death and rebirth, because he actually has to get new feet the next day, but his new feet are an upgrade because Geppetto's not all like drunk right now making, you know, Pinocchio. So he actually like spends more time crafting the feet. And we even see like Pinocchio's like excitement about this, these new shoes that he's walking in, you know, and like this evolution. So we even see very early that the idea of like death and rebirth and this understanding that we kind of have to go through hell. We have to walk through the trials of life and it, it's it's a heated moment, but that's going to get us to where we need to go. And so it's it's that first dire um it's that first fire initiation that he had. And you know also the fire and the mistrust that I can't trust everybody outside because now he's been deceived. It's it's like his first dance with like the trickster archetype. Right. And that's also very perplexing for a child. You know, for the idea like oh, there's, there's people out there that would want to hurt me or people that would do this. You know, you kind of learn about strangers and they 
stranger danger kind of thing. And of course you want to teach your child to be safe and to protect itself. But this idea that like, you know, it's us against them can be very damaging. And so we, we kind of see this first idea of like influence coming in and how we can get influenced to, you know, to get ourselves into trouble. Sure. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's great, man. And, um, you know, obviously I think the discussion that the priest and the, you know, Podesta or this like sort of fascist character um, present to Geppetto is that, you know, you have an option, either lock this boy up or you get rid of it altogether. And the boy speaks out for himself. That's like one of the first times you see Pinocchio sort of like have a voice, mm-hmm. a real voice to uh, to new people. And, you know, he's kind of said to Geppetto, you know, what is this and what is that? But in this case, he stands up for himself and he's like, I will not be locked up. Mm-hmm. I will not be put away. And Podesta looks over and says, you know, what an undisciplined child this is. But although he's undisciplined, he's made of strong Italian wood pine. Mm-hmm. So he sees the potential in what Pinocchio is. So he's he's a smart individual because he's, yeah, he's convinced that maybe something must be done with this, you know, abomination as they talk about him, you know, right in front of him. But he also sees there's, there's something I can do here with this. And that's mm-hmm. something that we've seen with countless, you know, um, organizations even though they're not in a complete agreement that they want you to be part of the tribe they might force you to be part of the tribe Mm -hmm. for the betterment of their plan and that's exactly what he's doing so with that he sort of suggests this boy must go to school Mm -hmm. and and he gets excited you know he's like oh boy school you know I, i cannot wait to go to school and um and I think the the two individuals, the priest and uh, Podesta, all agree with with Geppetto that as of tomorrow, um, you know, will be a new day that he'll start his journey. Yeah, and you know, man, and one of the things that you looked at was was how they these organizations did see potential in Pinocchio as a way to kind of use him as a puppet. And you know, again, I think your relationship with it, with like the armed services. I don't think that the discipline that comes from that is wrong. I think it's really important for you to be able to kind of go through that. But even when we see somebody who's maybe not f- forming into society, this is always the solution. When the, somebody's like 17 or 18 years old and they oh, yeah. might be rambunctious, it's like, send him to the military. We can kind of use him and we'll form him into this thing. But really what that child needs is just to discover their passion. You know, they're maybe some passion is to join the military and they grow through that. But I think a lot of times people think of this as the only way to kind of do that, but Mm -hmm. maybe they just need to pick up a paintbrush. Maybe they need to learn the harmonica, like who knows? But we, we have this ability of like, Oh, we know how to use them. Let's just like give them to us. And it's, again, it's this like unique kind of intersection of like, when do we, how often do we consent our way and our spirit away um, and like how we think of the idea of selling your soul as like a contract with this like red little beast, but it, it's much more subtle than that. And, you know, it's, it's what we consent to that really is what like, kind of like is the chains that keep us in this five steps reality and inside the cube. Absolutely, man. No, I mean, again, we're, we're going to see this in part three, because I know we're going to cut this into part into three parts, as as the listeners already know that it's been uh, been going on for a lot of it. And I do want to say that what you're saying with 
you know, lightning in a bottle. Like it's funny because there is that contract that we talk about where you think it's going to be very obvious when you're being deceitful to a child or to its potential. But all of us see that, you know, with the story of the coach who's taking the kids way too far through practice because in his mind, his body is limited. His body is now kind of coming onto the other side of the mm-hmm. mountain as it descends down into an older age. So in his mind, he's doing no wrong. He's, he's taking the potential of these children to win the game, but to win the game for who really for them or for yourself. We do this all the time to children and it, it could be for many, uh, you know, categories, including, you know, the starved mother or father who wants their child to be an actor or child actor and take that energy. And I think it's interesting because even people who are not spiritual at all can agree that there's something about this potential energy and it's it's glory and where where it can go and how far it can go mm-hmm. yet they may not want to discuss you know whether or not it's something about you know where we where we actually have descended from and why we are these walking stars but you know there's a way to benefit themselves with that and you're going to see that with a lot of these adults and this being the first but um i, I want to hold off on all that for the next episode because again we're going to see a lot of that and, yeah and the reference to a star but um that the last thing i want to say before all this and i want to talk to you and obviously you, you already know what's coming next is the night before his day at school him and geppetto go to bed um but there's something that i know you've noticed that when pinocchio is just so exhausted and overwhelmed from such a great day when he decides to lay in bed he says good night papa and geppetto almost says good night my son mm-hmm. for the first time and he stops himself it's like a very mm-hmm. specific moment right there where he says good night my good night pinocchio and you can kind of tell that he's still not ready to really mm-hmm. understand what his journey is going to be or what it's mm-hmm. going to be about with him accepting this newfound love and this newfound individual that's not necessarily replacing his son because it's not, it's it's a whole new person. It's mm-hmm. a whole new journey. It's a whole new story. But the Geppetto, it's still kind of like an unknown territory. Mm-hmm. And uh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I, I completely agree with you. It's, you know, he's denying his creation. Yes. You know, and we yes, do this. Yes. We deny our creations because we are the creators of, you know, what we pull into our lives. And a lot of the times it's blaming it on others or just not even understanding that the cycles and patterns of our life have actually like brought this negative experience into us or mm-hmm. this damaging experience. And so, you know, people deny their creations and they also sacrifice their creations for physical means. And we kind of see this one, like the really genuine artist kind of sells out its craft to make more financial support. Right. Like you brought with like the child actor, these parents are feeding their creation to wolves, you know, right. Harvey Weinstein yeah. in the casting couch, like these children go through trauma. They go through, you know, traumatic sexual abuse and all of these things, but it's for this idea of like famous. And we'll talk about that. Yeah. Like, and profit, why right? be real when you can be famous, you know, which yeah. is like that great quote that comes from actually, uh, the new Disney movie that I did not watch. Um, because the new Pinocchio Disney movie, like the yeah. live action one. Yeah, well, I haven't seen it either and I don't want to. Yeah. You know, but cause the thing is, is we've, we've watered it down so much right. that now it's like the stories used to be based off of archetypal experiences. So it's something in your soul. Now it's on like modern day social issues. There's no connection to it. It's 
it's void of any kind of significance that like ties you to it. Like again, the old Star Wars movies, that's Egyptian mythology. Right. New Star Wars movies, that's like baby poop in a trash can on fire. Yeah. You know? And yeah. we're seeing that and we're actually seeing the collective deny it. You know, Disney lost money last year. Marvel lost money last year. All of these big companies that are taking these really interesting stances are seeing that it's like not getting a response. Yeah. Um, well, they'll have to they'll have to make a decision because I think it was um, either car you know either young, um, but I, I heard this in a lecture, but it's young and Nietzsche that said that when you know religious and uh, spiritual like entities sort of fall away from society's way of being guided mm-hmm. morally, they'll find it in archetypal stories. Mm-hmm. And we, we, we accomplished that. We accomplished that with, you know, obviously, um, you know, the, the yellow brick road, we, we accomplished mm-hmm. it with, with the wizard of Oz. We accomplished it with so many different um, stories that have been created that have that essence. And then the, the aftermath is the drawings or is the action is the heroes right. like armor, it's not the other way around. And right now we've inverted that. Mm-hmm. And so it's empty. Mm-hmm. It's hollow. The hero yeah. isn't his armor. The hero is the heart that's mm-hmm. within the armor. And a lot of people right now, I think, are seeing that. So when mm-hmm. they see a movie, they were entertained. Sure, why not? You know, I mean, it's going to sell some money at the box office. But they're not going to be left with this imprint that's everlasting like mm-hmm. Star Wars was, mm-hmm. like you just mentioned. You know, that that took generations and generations through a, a process of the hero's journey, mm-hmm. you know, through Joseph Campbell's, uh, you know, understanding. And also allowed them to explore those philosophies with a, with a lighter uh, outlook. Because yeah. instead of just, you know, being a child of 16, being like, who's Joseph Campbell? It's mm-hmm. like, this guy right here, if you hear any of his recordings, will kind of tell you something that might allude to your understanding of the story you've already heard. And so they pair up together pretty quick, Mm -hmm. which allows you to evolve that much quicker. And right now that's not really happening, but it's people are starved for that right now. So there are people in this case, this movie might do this for you where they're like, Oh, if it comes from that essence, Mm -hmm. then I will explore this a little further and I will find a way to have it emotionally guide me in a way where as dark as things may be, there's still a flicker of light that um, I can sort of lean on. And uh, I think more, hopefully, more directors and more people in the entertainment industry will kind of see that for themselves. Because if you don't, I mean, the box office or whatever your sales are speak for themselves. And I think that's what's happening right now. Uh, We just have to make sure we turn it around faster because then people are never going to know what that is. Mm -hmm. And maybe it'll have a rebirth at one point in time and it's supposed to go this way, but... Hey you man, know. dinosaurs are gonna die. Yeah, right. So like, maybe this is what spurts this uh, another rise in like independent. Yeah, you know, because we've it was that was so big, and we've kind of lost that with some of this like you know this consolidation of this energy. And so, as they move away from these, the consciousness is going to get pulled back to it. And so, they're gonna have to make some kind of adjustment because, like, again, if you're like. If the story is about like you're sexually attracted to robots, like that's fine. If you're sexually attracted to robots, go for it. But that's <laughs> that's your own hero's journey. But not everybody in consciousness right. has this challenge of like, am I sexually attracted to a robot or not? It's pretty quick. Like if I see a robot, I'm like not sexually attracted to that. Right. Boom, hero's journey's done. We don't have to like play this out of like this idea of like acceptance. Like if that's what you want to do with a consenting robot in your room go for it. You're not hurting anybody. You're not impeding. And that's what we have to do is like authentically grow. But 
it's getting so hyper-focused. And again, you know, the news does this because wherever they point their camera is like what the news is. But everything's influenced. Like, have you ever noticed when like an article comes up, it's like people outraged in this community by this Jesus statue. And you're like, have you ever had the media come up to you and be like, are you outraged about this? Never. I've never been asked by like a news reporter, right. I'm, I'm taking a survey of who's outraged. Who the hell's outraged? And the thing is like five minutes old, that, that event just happened. How did you collect data that people are angry about this? Right, right. They just tell us this and then you see people and you're like, well, I'm a person, so I should be outraged too. And this is how they foster this. You know, this is how they keep the pendulum going. Absolutely. Then, you know, and then if you're not outraged, now you're the resistance against the people outraged and resistance is part of the assistance exactly. of how this, you know, this cube works and the matrix works and that powers their pendulum to create the energy. Like we have to understand that as like spiritual students. Like we talked about ancient China before, right? When they did the great leap forward, a hundred million people died in China. Hitler took out 20 million, which is a complete travesty, right? We learn about the travesty of Hitler. We don't hear about Chairman Mao's 100 million people. We don't even talk about Stalin's as much with 50 million people. But 100 million people were killed in China. And so, hopefully, you know, that was such a rich spiritual community that I like truly believe that there is like Chinese mystics of like long generations that retreated into the highlands of China. And, you know, these could be some of the most like spiritually advanced people. And I truly do feel that there is like energy that does that because you you can't kill creation. And I do think that there's like codes that allow for that to to do. And I think they're so powerful that they could probably make a dirty politician in America from like thousands of miles away, you know, pee their pants, like just with their minds because they're so consciously aware. But they're so wise that they know that like you don't, resistance is assistance. And so instead of being like, how do I get back at that energy? They meditate on love. They meditate on truth. And this is how we kind of overcome a lot of these problems. You don't fight the cube in the cube. You rise above the cube. Absolutely. You know? And so... Yeah, I think, you know, to, to make your point and, and to sort of like not go off, you know, completely on the tangent, because I know people will then sort of try to categorize this whole conversation as to whatever they think we believe in. But, you know, it's all about love and it's all from a good place. Just take a step back before someone else convinces you what to be Mm -hmm. mad about, you know, like who are you offending and are they the ones telling you they're actually offended or did someone else with some sort of like need to, you know, rattle you up, tell you how you should feel and think, Mm -hmm. you know, have a conversation with a Mexican. Hey, I'm right here. So, you know, I can tell you what offends me, what doesn't offend me, but I'm not going to go out of my way to just lose energy and time and, and you know, my, my way of, of living because you're wearing an outfit that I may think is not appropriate for you to wear. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So anyways, again, I don't want to go on this, on this complete off tangent here um, that you got me started on, but uh, I think as long as it all comes from a, a place of love and understanding of you know, what to be outraged about and what not to be outraged about. You have the power to control that. No one has the power to control that over you. You're just letting that happen mm-hmm. to you. And that's shame, shame. You know, mm-hmm. you shouldn't you shouldn't let that happen. You know, like make an educational decision for yourself and, and you know, be the free puppet that Pinocchio is. Let mm-hmm. him be the leader in your spiritual journey in the sense of like use that wonderment to figure things out for yourself but also don't be swayed by those who know what's best for you mm-hmm. all the time, you right. know? 
Um, so anyways. Yeah, no. And I think it's really unique because we're talking about, you know, Pinocchio's in the morning, he's going to do his journey to school. And right. like, even my experience as a school teacher, they would teach this idea, which is great about like, you need to not be offensive to other cultures and you don't shouldn't offend cultures. But the teacher in the same breath would say that white people don't have culture. Like that's accepted. Like you see that like people are like, oh, there's no culture for white people. And you're like, that is ridiculous. Like every place has culture and it's beautiful. We need to explore it. And so it's just so interesting how we don't even notice that as long as nobody's pointing at us, it's okay. And it's like, it's like changing. Like, you know, in one time we didn't like this colored person. And then it like, it changed to this color person because of this event. And we're allowed to like hate and hate just moves and they just move it. And, and it's like this idea of like, well, now you're the empowered ones and we got you the power. And it's just like, how often are we going to just see that? Not only do they have strings on us, but they got our hands up our butt, you yeah. know, and they're talking through our mouths. Right. Yeah. And we're just regurgitating. That, that's really what it is, just yeah. regurgitation. It's not really an informed opinion, um, you know, um, but yeah. Anyways. Oh, yeah. And so interesting, like seeing what the top, you know, story on Google is and then go throughout your day and listen to how many people are mentioning this and like speaking in the way that there's like, oh, well, I'm an intellectual because I read this, but it's really like right from the horse's mouth and right. we just like neigh it away, you know, and just like speak it. And so, you know, I think that one of the big stories of Pinocchio is about liberation. It's about yeah. sovereignty. And yeah. when we think about the pillars of what this spiritual experience is and how we actually elevate the soul to handle death correctly, it's the, you know, the uncovering of unconditional love, it's objective truth, and it's spiritual sovereignty. And Pinocchio is such a great lesson for that. And we all have to be reminded that, like, you don't have representation. Like, your actions are your representation. And when you get spiritually aligned and as your thoughts, your feelings align with your actions, you're proud of them. And you love your son of creation. You love what you bring into this world. So you can say, good night, my son. And right. you can do it with love and pride. And that's what we need to do. That's what sure. right action is. It's the the mind and the heart coming together to push out into creation and take our God-given right of being a creator. Because our father is the creator. Absolutely. You know? Oh, I love it, man. You got me all jazzed. And that's how it should be. It's not about what we have to say only. It's about what you already know. And, you know, discovering that for yourself is what will give you this ultimate blessing of just being free and feeling that understanding of ultimate acceptance and love. And, uh, you know, just breaking down these archetypal uh stories it's just so refreshing man and so thank you for your time and i know we're almost at two hours here and i know that for others they're probably zipping through this pretty fast on fast forward or they're taking it incrementally however you are thank you so much to all the listeners and all the supporters you know we we really enjoy bringing these stories back to life and back to um you know a, a place where they were intended to be for those who We'll take these stories on and on from generation to generation. Um, and so hopefully, you know, we shed a little light on this um, on this story. So part yeah. three will be will be next. Um, you know, we'll go ahead and, and produce this and put this all together for your convenience. And um, we will be, uh, you know, having 
a lot more going on on the website. If you haven't been to our website, you know, we highly recommend it. There's so much there already that we've put together and conversations that have had between the community and just stuff that we're just so proud to sort of, you know, do together as one. And uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I Great conversation today. I'm excited about that third part. And a kind of a fun exercise to kind of think about that I think we're going to kind of start the conversation with was as I, we were so excited that I really wasn't even looking at my notes. And I remembered that when we were talking about wood, um, very interesting, the phonetic connection between wood and wood. Like, would, would you, you like to, you know, right. would you like to experience love? Would you like to connect to your inner higher self? Um, and that idea of the will, because wood is asking like a choice and it's giving you potential, which again, ties to wood. And as we think about this, we have to kind of remember that we don't just look at the etymology of words, but the phonics. When a word sounds the same, they share the same vibration, right. which is the essence of what creation is. And so, you know, we look at things like this, you know, like right and right for like the hand and everything, but there's a deeper connection here. And I think we are kind of like start from that as we're going to school and it's would you like to go to school or would you like to like take the right of famous? Do you want to like learn and create or would you like to go this other way? Um, and we'll kind of follow young Pinocchio through yeah, this journey. That's a good way to end this because that will be part three and where we will pick up where we just now left off. So um, awesome, man. Love doing this with you, dude. Always. I love you. I love you, man. I love everybody. Yeah, we do love everybody. And to you too, Romeo, he's just right here sitting in between us. You know, just guiding the fools, right? Aren't you? Yeah. Anyways, um, thank Romeo's you so much. spirit guides, like when we are overlooking Romeo when he's a human, he's going to make such better choices. Like oh, my spiritual guides are always like, what the hell? This pattern again? Like, are you serious? They're yeah, like, this little oh guy. my gosh. But this guy, man, he is going to, you're going to run this. You're going to organize and unite the whole world, Romeo, with your love. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, until next time then. Until next time. Until next time, Romeo.